I just like how you said thousands. Like, There's thousands yeah. of ideas, and then a sound effect oh, behind yeah. it. Oh, no, no not that not one. That. <laughs> <laughs> Millions. There we go. That's it right there. Say millions? Millions yes. of ideas. <laughs> no, but there really is. There's tons of business ideas. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, I mean, it's The sky's the limit. So we kind of talked in yesterday's episode, which will get uh, uploaded tonight. Um, we talked about <clears throat> how um, I totally just lost my train of thought there. So, yeah, go for it. Well, but we were – so yesterday we talked about partnerships, but yeah. then we also talked about how – just simple things that can be businesses. Yeah. Like, and so that was kind of what we were going to base our episode around today, right? Is I don't know how many we'll get to, Yeah. but just throwing out there different ideas and talking about them of ways that say somebody's at home right now, maybe they're, you know, with inflation or whatever, they're struggling a little bit and wondering how can I earn some extra cash? Yeah. And, um, you know, and so there's, ways you know and it's cool to see on the internet because there's so many ways so many like as you're scrolling through instagram or youtube or whatever there's so many cool ways that people get creative and figure out ways to start businesses and make money so it's, yeah. it's way cool and that's kind of the epitome of the the cash calf philosophy yeah is is finding other ways to make little side hustles our uh, our 10 year old came home from school the other day <clears throat> i guess he's 11 I'm a terrible parent. I don't know. He's 10 or 11. I don't know either. I don't um, know when their birthdays are and stuff. He, it's bad. I need to ask my wife yeah. sometimes. He's 11. I'm sorry, Lincoln. <laughs> You're 11. Um, he came home from school and he's like, uh, I made $100 on Pokemon cards today. I was like, you what? Like, it, is that is that even okay? Are you able to do that? Like, is <laughs> yeah. that allowed? He's yeah. like, no, but dad, like, they're all people who wanted the cards, um, they wanted them and, you know, they, I asked a fair price and I was like, no, I'm not like, yeah, this is amazing. That's but, you really know, cool. It's cool. I just want to make sure that you're allowed to do that at school. And he's like, no, nah, I don't know. No one said anything to me. Yeah. Like the kid made a hundred bucks at school on Pokemon cards. Well, it's cool that he recognized too, that he's doing it in an honest, yeah. ethical way. Like, Hey, yeah. no, like they wanted them and you know, yeah. like that's way cool. Yeah. It was fun. It was fun to see. So, so we'll see what happens to the other two. But I had, when you were talking about that, I, one thing that my my boys one time were out, this it's kind of a family joke because they were out at my parents' house and they live like out in the middle of the boonies, you know, on a farm. And they, uh, my, my mom had a garden and they were out helping them pick peas. It was my two boys and then their two cousins that are similar age. Well, they picked a bunch of peas and they had a wise idea that they were going to sell the peas by the side of the road. And so... <clears throat> They made a sign and everything, and this is on a road where there's like maybe three people go by a day, you know. <laughs> yeah. And so, but uh, so I pull up and they have this sign that says one dollar a pea, and so they were selling a a pea pod for a dollar for a dollar, <laughs> Good and kids. they actually like like some of the missionaries had stopped by and given them like five bucks, That's awesome. and, all, and they're like all excited about this business um, idea, you know. And I'm like, I, I don't. That's not business. That's, you know, that's, uh, 
that's stealing from people <laughs> essentially, but they were doing it out of genuinely thinking yeah. that they were giving people a good deal, you know? That's so so funny. it was hilarious. Well, so even to this day, they, like we were talking about business ideas the other day and, and MJ's like, well, I still got my pee business. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, they're gourmet, <clears throat> they're, uh, they're homegrown, grandma's homegrown peas. Yeah. Well, and they were, they were like pitching. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like, I mean, there was some people were being like, oh, they're cute. And so yeah, yeah. we'll give them. And even some of the neighbors stopped and I think they ended up making like, there was four of them and they split the money up. I think they got seven or $8 each. Awesome. So they, you know, people were just, but, uh, they were genuinely pitching it, you know? Yeah. And so, so it's been good. And with that, I think both of those ideas, it's important to foster that and be For like, sure. oh yeah, like yep. that's good great. job, guys. Yeah, do it again, yeah. you know, go out and figure out something else to do, but yeah, it's fun. It is. It's cool. So, okay. I don't know why this popped in my head, but glamour shots from Deb on Napoleon, um, Napoleon Dynamite. Oh yeah. Is as as dumb as they make it look, mm-hmm. she'd probably make bank. Mm-hmm. Oh like yeah. Actually going door to door. Hey, I'm I'm doing I'm doing pictures. Mm-hmm. You want you want to buy? And what are they doing? What's she doing? She's selling. Yeah. You know, but you don't think oh a saleswoman just came to the door. No, a photographer came to the door. Well, she's a great salesman. Yeah. Saleswoman. Yeah. I don't know. Well, and that's thought. it's cool to see the creativity too because I see. Qu- quite a bit of photographers ad- advertise on Facebook yeah. and, but there's people that really have a niche market of what they're, what they're selling to their, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, and yeah. they really are zeroing in on a certain thing and they're successful about it. Okay. When Deb, when they say, no, I, no, I don't want any glamour shots. What did she do? Well, would you like a bracelet? <laughs> yeah. I never thought about this. Yeah. Dude, she is quite the saleswoman. Yeah. Good and, entrepreneur. Yeah. And then, I mean, her and Napoleon end up together. So, I mean, she she really sold. No, I she never... probably supported Napoleon. You yeah, know? yeah, she probably wear the vote for Pedro shirt and yeah. No, I just have never even thought about that until it popped into my head here. But she goes up. She's like, "Hey, do you want some glamour shots?" No. All right. Well, do you want a bracelet? <laughs> no. And then you know he offends her and she runs off the porch. But she had a backup. Mm-hmm. She was there to really sell. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Lessons from Napoleon Dynamite. That's right. That's right. But then, all right, here we go. <laughs> they they go to sell that crappy Tupperware, mm-hmm. and they fail because they were unethical. I'm trying to do yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he runs over it, and it pops. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I haven't seen that show for so long. You got to watch it with your kids. Uh, it's so good. <laughs> I'm going to go home and watch it now. That's what we're going to do tonight. And we're going to learn about entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship <laughs> in Napoleon Hill. Yeah. So. It, it is interesting where we can pull principles from, you know, so I think you and I go to the same church and, um, no. So in come follow me, yeah. um, uh, started reading Genesis mm-hmm. and, um, I think I told you, I started reading through Genesis. I'm like, this is an entrepreneurial dreamland. You're like looking at how something was created before the next thing. And, and when he looked at it, he goes, and it was good. Mm-hmm. And then he goes on to the next thing and it was good. And then I don't remember exactly what the verbiage was, but the very last thing when he like looks at everything and he kind of puts a stamp on it, it was something close to, and it was good, but it was more like, and they were great. Hmm. Like he'd put everything together very strategically and then put like his final stamp on it, like 
now we're good. Yeah. It was just, it was, it's just cool. You can pull principles from anywhere. Yeah. You know, this morning we were talking about, you know, me and David went running and it's usually our, it, part of it is for our physical fitness, but it's a lot mental fitness. Yeah. We have a lot of good conversation and we were talking about like the 1%, getting 1% better yeah. principle, you know, like there's uh, back to church, but yeah. there was a conference talk where they talked about the British cycling team and how they just focused on getting a little bit better. Yeah. They went from being a terrible team to being the best in the world yeah. by a great margin, I think. Uh-huh. And it was just by small and simple things. And, you know, we were talking about that and even like your the creation story, you know, we need to not get so tied up and so judgmental on ourselves that we're not doing everything all at once. I mean, it's yeah. small things, you know, it's, and we talk about that with, with business too, like the bottle cap opener guy, yeah. like he's using a Dremel tool in his garage to cut out bottle openers and has no clue what he's doing and admits yeah. that he has no clue what he's doing. And that turns into a $5 million a year business or whatever, you know, yeah. how small is that? But it's so important to not get frustrated in the beginning. Absolutely. Um, you know, and so maybe, you know, maybe that ties into even what we were going to talk about yeah. today is so these the, small little yep. ideas that people really can, you know, you can discount them and be like, well, that's dumb. Yeah. Well, you can do that or you can just get in and start working it. Yeah. And every small business started from a small little silly beginning, you know, for the most part, I think. Uh, uh, I was listening to something the other day. It's called uh, Irrationally Rational. Hmm. Ir... Something like that. And he talks about bread makers. You could just get a pan and and bake bread in your oven, but someone came out with a bread maker, and they, they actually couldn't sell. Like, they were trying so hard to sell them. And finally, they hire this different marketing firm, and they go... Um, make it a little better and double the price. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so they do that, but they keep their original model at its price point. They sell almost none of the new, big, better ones. But because someone have some, some, they had something to compare to, they went, ooh, that one for $500, that's, that's crazy. But now I think I want a bread maker that's $200. Interesting. They started selling a ton of them. I mean, you remember... So like, they made their own market. They made their own market. Hmm. A bread maker, which is an oven, mm -hmm. which we all have. Mm -hmm. We could buy a $5 bread pan, but instead we have to buy a whole bread maker. But it has settings. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, well, it's interesting, too, that to see the... Um, shoot, what's the word? The fad of that. Because I remember sure. growing up, yep. we had one of them. We those. had one, too. Nobody has them now. No. I don't think. I don't, I don't know of anybody. I don't even know where to... You could probably buy it on Amazon. Probably. I remember like Walmart or the mm -hmm. department stores had them all over. You had, you know, hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, it is. It's just funny because they made their own market and something very simple. So what they did is they, they just made a mini oven mm -hmm. and then built a market around it. So what what else can we do that's the same thing? You're like, okay, well... Uh, I don't know, a car pops into my mind. How, how can you make a mini car and, and, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. then market that out? I, there's so many ways. Um, Gary V is a good one to follow yeah. for ideas. Um, he's very much into the tech world, but also too, like, you know, I've heard him say things like go to, <clears throat> uh, go to thrift stores mm -hmm. and 
buy stuff and then turn around and sell it on eBay. You know, we have a we have a friend, um, Judd. He found a, a an original three point wool blanket, like those. Uh, oh yeah, mm-hmm. Hudson Bay mm-hmm. Trading Company blankets. <clears throat> found an original. It cost him like thirty bucks. Hmm. which $30 at a thrift store is actually kind of expensive. They yeah. probably knew what they were selling. It's like a $600 blanket. Wow. Really? Yeah. I want one to make a compote out of. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Especially um, that uh, one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you you can like survive a winter hmm. in that blanket. But, you know, let's say he was out there, and he's pretty good at that stuff too. Mm-hmm. Like he he scours those, and he knows. Like he kind of knows like, hey, well, that's valuable. That's I think he keeps it all. But if you wanted to turn it into a business, sure, it's great. You know, people are just throwing their stuff away that don't know the value of it. You don't know who it was, mm-hmm. so you go to the thrift store, you buy it, turn around, and sell it. Yeah, you know, if we knew who it was, we might be able to go back to him and be like, "Hey, that blanket was worth six hundred dollars. I'll sell it for you. Do you want, you know, a commission?" Yeah, but well, I love the Gary Vee example because yes, he's big into tech. But then he, you can find videos of him going to garage sales. Yes. And that's my favorite one. And he, cause he's like, you know, he's big on, if you're, if you're complaining about where you're at, yeah, shut up yeah. and, and, and go out and do the work. And so he shows people business ideas, kind of like we're talking here. Like he had one where he, everybody was kind of laughing about it or whatever, but he's like, look, like. He looks up on Facebook. Okay, somebody's giving away this um, coffee table for free. He's like, okay, go get the coffee table. So he like goes, rides the subway, gets the coffee table. He's like riding in the subway home with the free coffee table, right? Like takes it home, takes some better pictures of it, you know, so it doesn't look like crap with the crappy, dirty house in the background or whatever, yeah. you know, it's in his nice living room now, looks like a nice piece of furniture, yeah. sells it for a hundred bucks, Yeah, you know, and, and stuff like that. It's a hundred bucks. He, he did one, one time where, and this was just a recent one that I saw, it probably wasn't a recent video, but he was at some garage sales and he was talking about specialized items. And so he actually did a whole series of videos on mugs and going to garage sales and, and finding certain mugs. Yeah. But this one, he's like, the guy's like, well, what's an idea? You know, like, what's an idea of something I could sell? And he's like, salt and pepper shakers. Yeah. And the guy's like, what are you talking about? Well, he gets on eBay, goes in, and there's some certain settings that you can do on eBay. And I actually did this a couple times after I saw it because it's there's incredible technology that we can use to our benefit to do some of these things but he went in he was able to filter it down to the recently sold items under the within the salt and pepper shaker search yeah there's salt and pepper shakers selling for like 500 bucks or whatever you know wow and this guy's like who's buying 500 dollars salt and pepper shakers and he's like salt and pepper shaker collectors like anything that there is, there's yeah. a collector's market for it. So and so, crazy. you know, yeah. anyway. We see that in that's coins. That's a huge one. But yeah, we see it in coins and it kind of makes sense because it's like, well, it, it's at least silver. So if it loses its value, but nothing's losing its value right now. Yeah. You know, I mean, if things get really bad, then maybe we won't care so much about salt and pepper shakers. But yeah, it'd have to get pretty bad. So... That's awesome. Salt and pepper shakers. Well, and I think it's just a switch in mindset, you know, especially if, if there's something that you really like, like, yeah. you know, say it's antique rugs or whatever. Yeah. If there's something you're really into, 
and you're studying it all the time and everything, that's great. Go out and find ways to um, find those things, whether it's yeah. estate sales or thrift stores or garage sales, and be able to turn around and flip them on eBay yeah. or, or whatever, you know? Yeah. Well, so here's an idea. Um, I was looking at wood when we were building this because I really want to do the epoxy yeah, you know how they yeah, that's kind of the so epoxy cool. rivers and stuff. So there's one epoxy tables. Yeah, but in order to do that, you need wood, and we just didn't have any cool looking wood. So hop online. There's people that they buy wood. Mm -hmm. So if you have something cool, they'll appraise it and buy it from you, or you buy it back from them. And there's just three or four, probably big businesses, but I don't know. They just they make themselves look pretty big online, and then others that don't look big. And they just have an inventory of of little pieces of wood. Mm -hmm. Like, how does that ever? But there's so much. It's so it's so popular right now to make these epoxy tables. Their market's huge. Yeah, you know, it's very niche. Wood for epoxy tables. And like, is that big enough market? Yeah, because it's global. Or even barnwood furniture. Oh, or barnwood. Yeah, barnwood. Uh, you know, to planking to go on yep. walls. Yeah. Um. I mean, it's a. You know and. I, that's an interesting thought too, because I think maybe a lot of people are like, well, how, how would I even get into that? Or how would I know where to buy that kind of wood or whatever? Well, look online and see yeah. what kind of stuff is desirable. You know, all of this takes a little bit of homework, yeah. but I can think of off the top of my head, probably 200 old crappy barnwood buildings off the top of my head right now. Yep. So once you know what you're looking for, drive into that person's driveway, I'm knock like, on the door. Let's go buy one. Knock on the yeah. door and say, hey, I'll clean up your barn, your yep. your old crappy barn for nothing if I can have the wood. Okay, sounds yeah. good. You're providing a service, yeah. and then you're also going to you know sell that wood for a good profit. We should do that. Yeah. Like I do in a heartbeat. It's a, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. We we did it on the, you know, um, farming. You know, when I... When I uh, was farming. We had some old sheds that we, we tore down and yeah. we kept the wood to, to use it for crafts and that kind of stuff. You know, we have a friend who ran kind of ran out of barns to buy, at least in where he was and in his market. So this is innovation and this is really cool. Like this is a good example for, for people to just see how we can, you can take something and you can tweak it to work. Mm -hmm. So he ran out of actual, I don't know if he ran out, but almost ran out of actual barn wood. So he's like, crap, what do I do? This is my whole business. So he went to someone and said, if you build a fence, like if, if I build a fence for you, I'll charge you to build the fence. But every five years, I'll come back and I'll change out the two by six Interesting. wood pieces for free. Hmm. And they're like, well, that means every five years I get a brand new fence. Yes. And there's no strings attached. Like truly, that's what, what it is. Hmm. Well, now he takes those two by sixes, rips them in half, and every five years, he's got new barnwood. You know, and it's not barnwood, but it's that rustic, yeah. old-looking, Yeah. you know, and then he builds, uh, like, barn doors for houses, and <clears throat> we're going through all that right now. We were just going to buy this uh, just kind of cheaply priced barn door from Lowe's or Home Depot or whatever, and our, our buddy is like, our friend, Kira and I's friend, you know, Brady, mm -hmm. um, he's like, no, you need you need barnwood. <laughs> like you need it. So he's sold on it, mm -hmm. you know, and, and he's sold cause, cause our friend Paul does barnwood and everything. And, and so finally Kira was like, okay, well like, well let's do some barnwood. 
But then as soon as you do that, we're like, well, we have to tie the whole house into that barnwood door now. Yeah. So now what are we doing? We're buying more barnwood. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be by the by the fireplace, and it's going above our shower now. And, like, it's just all this stuff, and it's, it's, it's cool. Yeah. And it's just old wood. Yeah. Someone's making good money selling – many people are making good money selling old wood. Mm-hmm. Or the pers- or wood that looks old. Yes. You know, I mean, yeah. say that back to the, the guy that ran out of wood or whatever. Maybe somebody loves to paint and they have these, they come up with a special varnish that makes it look like old barn wood. And that's yeah. your specialty is yeah. painting it to look like old barn wood. And you can, maybe you don't charge the premium that the legit barn wood is, but exactly. it's still you're able to go to Home Depot and get the, you know, the cheaper pine, well, it's cheap, isn't, yeah, cheap wood doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, cheap anymore. wood does not exist right But now. you know what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah, and you do that, or yeah. maybe you lay it out in your corral and let cows stomp on it a bunch or yeah. something. You know, I mean, there's just so many ways to get For creative. Sure. And to me, the story is what's cool. So, mm-hmm. one, I don't care if the story is that there's red still on it from the barn, which mm-hmm. is really cool. Like, that's painted. Um, or... That guy took it out in his field and he let the cows stomp on it. And that's yeah. why it looks old. Yeah. But that's just cool. Yeah. And now I don't want to pay for barn wood if I know that it's stomped on. And mm-hmm. But maybe, actually, that's a, there's a lot of time and value that gets put into having cows stomp on a board. So uh, I actually have some friends that do wood floors, very high quality wood floors. Yeah. And they were doing a floor, I think in Jackson or something, you know, which is high end stuff. Yeah. Well, they... I think it was these guys. I hope I'm not misspeaking, but I'm pretty sure that it was. But this story, somebody told me this story, so it actually happened probably. But anyway, he brought in his draft horses after they had laid the floor down and let them stomp on the floor and had like logging chains and stuff to beat it up and add character to it. So it's it's cool. Like there's so many creative ways to do things. It's cool. My my father-in-law builds log homes or built log homes and they've... They've distressed wood before with with chains and screws. Like you'll take a screw, you'll set it down, and you hammer it in, so it looks like yeah, it looks like it was set there. And, and yep, that's what people wanted, so that's what he did. And like these guys do, like uh, looks like saw blades, you know, oh, like cool. along that, like you yeah. can see where the saw marks and like it's cool. That it's is way, cool. It's it's way cool to see. It's probably what happened in Egypt, and when they were building all the big <laughs> stuff, they're like, hey. Make a mark right there so that we mess people up later on. Yeah, that's right. Later Make on, it look like, distressed. Yeah. Look, they uh, <laughs> they had saws back then. <laughs> Some guys up there were looking down like, hey, you're funny. <laughs> yeah. I think there's there's so many ways that... And, and even, you know, I read a book <clears throat> when I was growing up that I really liked a lot that called it Winning in the Margins. Yeah. So just finding these little things that you can do on the side to get ahead. Um, there was a story in there of a guy that worked at a, like a gold smelter. Is that a word? I think like the people. Yeah, I watched like Goldfinger. I watched like uh, where it. Yeah, that's Austin right. Powers <laughs> smelting accident. <laughs> but uh, so he worked there, and he noticed that like, I guess sometimes after you you know it's really hot or whatever, it can kind of like spray up on this piece of machinery or whatever, and so. Um, he said, hey, can I stay after work? I won't 
charge you, but can I stay after work and just clean that off if I can keep it? Yeah. And they're like, sure, whatever. Yeah. So every day he would scrape it into like a coffee can or something. And within however much time, he had a coffee can full of gold. Interesting. And he would, you know, and then you take that and melt it down into a gold bar or whatever, you know. So and it was just winning in the margins. It was yeah. just a little creative thing, being alert and seeing that, you know. Well, as you were saying the hundred bucks or someone said a hundred bucks, I was just like, I should have been able to do it in my head, but I heard, you know, a hundred dollars a yeah. day, that's $36,500 a year. Yeah. That's a hundred bucks a day. So if you have this little side hustle that's a hundred dollars a day, you're adding 30, 30 almost $37,000 to your yearly income. Well, and even say you do it on a couple, only a couple days on the weekend. Yep. I mean, that's a thousand bucks a month, yep. you know, can add up to that pretty quick. It's cool. Um, I've seen some people do like couch flipping, you know, so they'll like one example that I thought, and there's different ways to add value. That's the cool thing is even though somebody else might flip couches, there might be a way to do it that isn't being done. You know, there's opportunity all around us. But one thing I thought about is, you know, here we live in a, a college town and there's a lot of, I see a lot of stuff posted on Facebook down, um, you know, in Idle Falls. And people are giving away a couch for free or whatever. Yeah. Well, up here, you could probably sell that for a hundred bucks or something because there's always people moving in and out and needing furniture and odds and ends and that kind of stuff. Well, a lot of people probably don't go down there and get it because they don't have a pickup. Yeah. So if you have a pickup and yeah. a way to go down there and get it and bring it to another area where maybe there's a demand for that. Yeah. Um, you know, that's one way to add value. Yes. Um, that was actually, and, and there's other stuff. Value is going through my mind right there. Cause I was like, you know, sometimes people might misconstrue it a little bit and be like, you just screwed that person because yeah. you could have, no, they couldn't go down and get it and they're willing to spend a hundred bucks. Yeah. You know, it might be different in some circumstances, but for the most part, like that's great. Yes. And that's how markets move. That's how the economy actually rolls. Mm-hmm. So it's good. I hate <clears throat> I hate how I see on, especially with real estate right now, because it's such a hot topic, you know, but anything that comes up about somebody flipping a house or whatever, yep. there is terrible comments oh, about crazy. people flipping houses. Like, yep. oh, you're screwing people over and whatever. They're not stepping back and taking the time to go to look at what's really happening there. Yep. So somebody's buying something that's in an old crappy condition. Yeah. They're adding value to it and then they're putting it back on the market at whatever the market is, you yep. know? And so like it kind of irritates me when I see people with that kind of mentality. Uh, I'm right there with you. <clears throat> I mean, we we re- we just raised rents about $50 a month per but yeah. it's not because we wanted to. I actually I want to keep that as low as possible for our tenants. Taxes and insurance went up. So, you know, we try to have very good communication with the tenants and we go, hey, guys, I am really sorry. And like this isn't anything outside of what's in the contract. We've never raised rents. Mm -hmm. We have to. Taxes and insurance went up. It's not going in your pocket. You're not being greedy and collecting $50 more. Yeah, it's going in the government's pocket. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's so weird that. And when we talk about these cash calf principles, they're pretty basic principles, I think, a lot of times. Yeah. But there's a lot of people that don't ever think about this stuff, you know? And so it's it's just, yeah, that's the big problem. That's the big problem. It's basic, but it seems so out there and so scary to people. I mean, really even just think 
having a job versus making your own job. Well, everyone's scared of it because we were never taught how to go make a job mm-hmm. or how to make a business or how to balance a checkbook. I mean, I, I truly was never taught that in school. Yeah. I was never taught, here's, here's a, a balance sheet, go. And you know, that might be specialized in business school or something, but I had to figure all that out on my own. And that should be something taught in like grade school. Yeah. You know, really. Totally agree. Um, little plug for a cool business out there. It's called Greenlight. You heard of that for kids? Yes. So yeah. we've been using that. It's awesome. When we pay like, a, <clears throat> you know, if they do their chores, then they get 10 bucks a week or whatever. We have that set up to where half of that goes straight into savings. Mm-hmm. Ha- ha- uh, 10% of it goes into tithing. And then they can keep and spend the other portion. So there's a business idea. I mean, someone already did it, but you can innovate it and make it better. Mm-hmm. But someone was like, man, I wish that there was a way that my kids could have a debit card. Okay, well, now there is. And learn about money. And learn about money at the same mm-hmm. time. They know if they make 100 bucks, they're only going to get $40 of that to spend. 50 of that goes into savings, which usually ends up in cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. And then 10% tithing and $40, $40 they can spend. That's awesome. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, and that then is really cool. And then we're teaching them to not feel bad about spending money either. You know, it's okay. You earned all of that. But you're going to let 50% of it work for you. Yeah. We're going to give away 10% of it because we're, you know, we're, yep. we're very blessed. Spend 40, man. Go have yeah. fun. Well, and then they see the value of compounding too. Yeah. You know, that savings amount continues to build and grow. Yeah. I mean, what a valuable thing to learn from a small age, you know, yeah. a young age like that. It's cool. I'm glad, glad there's people out there that make companies like that exist. And that's the thing. It probably started out some app or some idea and then was able to grow into something bigger. It started in someone's basement. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Probably. Probably so. Amazon did. Yeah. Walmart, you know, it yeah. was... Uh, Apple and Microsoft yeah. and... What was, was Walmart? So it's the Walton family... But it wasn't even close to Walmart. Like the name was something very different. No, I think didn't he own like a he owned one store, right? Uh-huh. Like a Yeah. Whatever, like a, a box store kind of thing. And then I don't know what it was called. Yeah, I don't remember it. But it was something very different. And then he just made another one and then another and then decided if I'm buying stuff in such bulk, why don't I build Sam's Club? Mm-hmm. And then it was just nuts. Well, and you you want to talk about market research and really being attentive to what's going on. I think he would even go into his competitor stores regularly, right, and look at what products they were selling, what was actually selling to the customers, and then what the prices were so that he could undercut everybody's prices, which you might look at and say, you know, have some problem with that. But the guy, I mean, that's the other part of it is you have to know, you have to know what stuff sells for, right? In yeah. order to go out to the thrift store or whatever and be, yeah. buy stuff that's not just going to be junk or whatever, you have to do your market research yeah. to and become a specialist in some of those things. But I know gas station managers in this area that drive around and look, look for gas prices. Yeah. Because if you can undercut, quote, someone by two cents it gets them in your store mm-hmm. you know? or even just be competitive. If yeah. you're two cents above, then you're host, yeah. you know, you're, you're having a hard time getting people there anyway. Yeah. And then there's something about value that's created within that store. So I'm willing to wait in line at great Scott's and, um, 
and pay a little bit more because in the camera, they see me and they have my drink ready for me by the time I'm up there. Really? Like the service part, the customer service is so good, I'm willing to wait in line mm-hmm. and pay a little bit more. Hmm. They do, they're awesome. That's like, crazy. What, the first time it happened, I was like, well, that was awesome. Do they do that for good everybody job. else or just you? Well, it's probably every. I mean, if I get all the, the regular same, people, yeah, I get the same thing every single day, maybe twice a day. Like, I, I just, I love it. Mm-hmm. And they just learned me. I'm, I'm sure they do other people too. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's cool because they, they hooked me, they sold me. I'm loyal. Yeah. It was just, so the first time it happened, I was like, well, that, that's cool. Like, good for her. And then all of a sudden it just started happening with almost every employee there. Mm-hmm. Like you guys, you rock. Like this is cool. And then up on their wall, they have uh, their records. And I don't remember what the daily one is, but I think that the weekly record is was 5000 something. That's $15,000 of soda. In a week. In a week. And that's at one station. Was that both of them combined, do you think? I don't, or is that I don't one? know. This one closer to us seems mm-hmm. to have a lot more people there. In fact, I will choose this one over the other one just because of the people in it. Not that the people in the other one are bad. Mm-hmm. They're great. But, oh, excuse me. Sorry, I'm drinking a C4. Um, but these people remember me. So I'll go there. Huh. It's That's just cool. awesome. Well, and back to, so they're selling you. Yes. Back to one of our other, you know, pillars or, you yeah. know, bullet points of, of the cash cap philosophy. They're selling you, but you don't see it as a sell. Oh, not You at see all. it as good customer service. They're yeah. providing value to you. Yeah. You know, so and, that's cool. And the, the kids that work there, they're not brought on as a salesman. Yeah. You know, they're brought on as a, a soda maker. Yep. And all of a sudden, you're like, dang, you're really good at sales. Why are you so good at this? Well, because you're good with people. Okay. You remember. remember. Remembering names, one of the best ways that you can get ahead in life. Mm-hmm. If you see someone from five years ago and you're like, hey, Dan, how do you remember my name? Uh, just kind of a thing I have. Yeah. You know, I just remember people's names. I don't. But, yeah. you know, just that kind of stuff is great. We, we try to do that with uh, our front desk staff. Like, if you can remember someone's name, do it. You know, mm-hmm. if someone new comes in to CrossFit, I'll write their name up on the board. They won't know it, but, you know, I'll write Tina up on the board. And then I just try to say their name. Hey, Tina, good job. Oh, crap. What's her name? I got to run to the board. Oh, yeah, it's Tina. Mm-hmm. Hey, Tina, good job on that. And then after a day or two, you've got yeah, it. Yeah, you remember it. Yep. <clears throat> and well, then they appreciate it. And I'm thinking, too, about, so back to the soda example, think about how much better those those employees the people that are making the soda for you so you get up to the line they've already got a soda for you and you're like like i imagine it's like you guys are freaking awesome like thank you so much like this is great here you go here's my money it's fulfilling for them too like they're having a better day at it yeah than being like oh son of a yeah in here buying so you know for sure like i can just like even you telling that i haven't been in there for a while, but I can just envision that it it's probably a cool place and a good business because there's synergy there. We've talked, you've yeah. talked about that yeah. a lot. Well, you're, they're providing value. Yeah. You're appreciating the value. And where I thought you were going to go with that too, which ties in is the efficiency with it. Yeah. So instead of them saying, Hey sir, how are you? What would you like to drink today? And I'm looking at the menu and I'm like, Oh, I don't know. What do you like? Instead, they know that 99% of the time I get the same drink. 
I'm in and out. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting in line, and then it takes me 20 seconds mm-hmm. to get through. So all of a sudden, their efficiency just went up. And I'm already a sold customer, so I'm going to come back. Well, and then think about putting the record on the wall. So Whoever the manager yep. is that came up with that. So then it's like, hey, look at the record on the wall. You guys want to be as efficient as, a, as you possibly can so you can beat that record. And they probably don't even say that. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. Yeah. But just having that number there, you know, like we're all competitive. And so yeah. we're sitting there making drinks like, those people are going to work as, as efficiently as they can just to try to beat the number. Like, it's yeah. great. Like, it's there's so many good things about that in, in creating a successful business. Yeah. So One cool thing about that business is that it was purchased. So the, mm-hmm. I think it, <clears throat> as far as I know, as long as I've lived here, it's just changed hands once. Yeah. But it was uh, kind of an older gentleman that had, I think he started it, and it, it just kind of ran how it ran, like gas stations would. And then when the new people bought it and moved in, they're like, hey, we're going to have soda, we're going to have ice cream, we're going to do handmade waffle presses, you know, all that. I mean, it really took off. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy because gas stations, as far as gas, they don't make money. It's the stuff on the inside. So then they took an already existing idea and made it a lot better. Yeah. Soda, cookies, ice cream, all the stuff that I probably shouldn't eat. <laughs> actually, I just so everyone knows, I actually only get diet Mountain Dew with sugar-free peach and mango, okay? It's called a diet second wife. They changed the name because someone got offended. Now it's an over-yonder. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, geez. Come on, folks. I know. Lighten up a little bit. I, I'll That's still, funny. I still call it that just so that they know how how, how long I've been how, Yeah, you've store. been a loyal yeah. customer for years. Can I get the 44-ounce uh, <laughs> diet second wife with sugar-free flavors, please? A second wife. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. You're new here. It's an over-yonder now. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Good. Like, yeah. That's great. Like, it's way cool. Way yeah. cool to see those kind of businesses. You know, I love seeing... That's the thing. I love seeing businesses grow and thrive. There are some people in business that don't, they're very competitive and they don't like it. One thing I enjoy about you and me and Kira and, and, and your wife and you know, all of that is we just want to see people succeed. Mm -hmm. And if people understand that we live in a world of abundance, we live on a very abundant earth. We don't all need to compete. Yeah. There's a lot out there and we can innovate just a little bit here and a little bit there. It's cool. Yeah. There's unlimited opportunity for sure. Yeah. Especially when you look at the amount of technology we have. I mean, you look at eBay, you look at Facebook Marketplace, you look at, like, I, uh, one cool thing that I thought about as far as, like, businesses and stuff is old pickups. Yeah. Like, it's crazy to me how, um, what old pickups are worth now. Um, and even diesel pickups. I've heard some guys say that they, um, that's one of their kind of side hustles is they'll buy and sell diesel pickups as their niche, you know, so they'll buy something, drive it for, you know, a month or whatever, sell it and be able to make, you know, sometimes they're making like four or five grand on them. Well, you know, the just right buy. now they should be. Yeah. No. Um, <clears throat> but like old pickups, like old square body Chevys and yeah. stuff. I actually have some, uh, um, I had when, when, you know, when we were growing up on the farm, we had a bunch of those kind of pickups, whatever. My first pickup that I drove to school was a, like an old square body farm truck Chevy, you know? So like I, I want to get one, but, uh, they, 
there's Facebook groups that are specifically for that. And so, you know, like it's cool to see what people have and whatever. Some things are like some people's niches on there is they buy something, they repaint it, they totally redo it, they, you know, make it look really nice and new, you know, and that's their niche. There's a certain value and amount that that's worth. Yeah. Other people, it's like cleaning it up so there's still patina on there from the paint that's fading. Yeah. That's the original olive green color from back in the day, you know, and and that's their niche, you know, or some guys it's finding an old, um, maybe something that's non, that's not drivable from the neighbor's junkyard and, you know, they're going to sell that to somebody that's going to take it and fix it up as a project, you know? So even though everybody's in the old pickup kind of industry, I guess, or market, there's different levels that people are involved, you know? And I mean, you think about that, there's so much value that can be created. So say one guy pulls it out of the junkyard and sees, you know, there's, uh, there's minimal rust on this. There's pretty good body on it, whatever. All the windows are intact. Okay. He sells it to a guy that fixes it up and has the patina, you know, stuff on it or whatever. Or maybe he just gets it running. Maybe he just throws a new motor in it and gets it running. Well, then he sells it. So there's profit there. Yeah. You know, and then the next guy sees that and is like, oh, I could put a new paint job on that and maybe, you know, put a new floor in it where it's rusted out and that thing would be great. So then there's value there. So we think so one dimensionally that like, oh, this pickup, it just, there's only one transaction there. There could be so many different transactions depending on what you're excited about, what your hobbies are and what your niche is. Yeah. Um, that you can really specialize in some of this stuff. So cool. And that's very specialized. Mm-hmm. Like that's the thing is old diesel pickups, extremely specialized, but that's where money is made. Um, this made me thought, I have not thought about this in years. When Kira and I were first married, her dad is, he's an inventor. He's a very, he's a dreamer, kind of visionary and um, not visionary. That makes him sound like, um, <laughs> but he's a dreamer. He's, yeah. and he's so good at putting things together. So he had this product. Okay. Well here, just going on business ideas. He had, mm-hmm. it was called an underwater Island. Hmm. Essentially you took a plastic bubble, half bubble and you pushed it okay. underneath like the water. Like a dome or yeah, something. Like a dome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, I think they had one called the dome. Okay. Pushed it down. And then he just diverted some, some air from the pump and it pumps into the dome, pushes the water out. And now underwater, you can have, uh, crabs and newts and okay, like in turtles a home and, aquarium yeah. or something. In a home aquarium, you can have frogs and newts and turtles and salamanders yeah. and all that and crabs. Like I think his first website was called crabhomes.com. Oh really? Which I mean with you know, crabs. It's just kind of funny. <laughs> but um, crabhomes.com, and now it's Atlantis Underwater Islands. <clears throat> so there's that. But in all of this, he orders a whole bunch of little plastic palm trees from China. Then he decides he has too many palm trees or whatever. I end up getting like 100 of them. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I wonder if I could sell those on eBay. So I get on and start selling little plastic palm trees on eBay. And I noticed that most people that were buying them were buying them for cakes, like making cakes. Yeah, sure. So someone hops online and they go, plastic palm tree for cakes. It never popped up, so they'd go to eBay and they'd buy the ones that I had. Well, then I'd switch the name to plastic palm trees for cakes, 
and it got a ton of orders. I went through so those. So in your Google in the Google search now, yes. your listing is popping up or yeah. whatever, right? But what a weird roundabout for me to make money. It was that someone ordered plastic palm trees from China so that they could put them in an invention and ordered too many. So then it hops to me and then I sell them on eBay, yeah. which goes to people with cakes. Yeah. It's crazy. You should have like, you should have I know, I could sourced that and, palm or, and cakes.com and, and bought a million palm trees from China yeah. at a penny a piece and, and then sell them can. for maybe so. Well, now that's the cool. crazy thing is I did sell them for like, you know, three ninety nine, four ninety nine. Which to them, they were like, sweet, four bucks, and I get the palm tree for my tree or for my cake that I can use over and over again. Yeah. And I was thinking, I just made four bucks. And I think I see, I think I even charged um, shipping on it. So it was like a dollar shipping or whatever. You put them in a little padded sleeve and off they go. I should have my kids do that again. So I love, that's interesting too, because you think about, we also think very close to us, I think too. Like, you think about starting a new business, maybe it's the palm trees. And it's like, yeah. well, I don't know anybody that's going to want palm trees. Yeah. That doesn't matter now. Mm-mm. You know, we have nope. technology where you can access everybody in the world. <clears throat> it's cool. Yeah. Grant Cardone um, in a book, Sell or Be Sold. I don't actually remember this chapter, but I was going through the table of contents the other day and he has something about selling ice to Eskimos. And it used to be the thing like, but well, you can't sell ice to Eskimos. Well, in today's world, I think you can. Yeah. Because there's probably an Eskimo that's moved and he needs some ice. Like, it's just a different world than it was. Or what if it's flavored ice? Yes, or, exactly. You know, like yeah. one thing that I did when I was when you were talking about that with the the palm trees was I when I was in college, I worked at an outdoor store. And um, in the fishing department, I like to fish and I don't fish nearly as much as I used to or want to, but that was when I was in college, I fished a lot and especially fly fishing. Um, And so one thing that would happen is, you know, we would get in a bunch of product and especially the niche that I kind of found out after a while worked really well was fly reels, fly fishing reels. And so, you know, there's high-end fly fishing reels that can cost, well, thousands of dollars. But it, at the this store, it was like maybe three or four hundred bucks. Yeah. Well, you could take those apart, and the part that had the line on it is called a spool. So you could actually like change out those spools depending on what kind of fly line you wanted. Okay. Well, when they would discontinue a reel. A lot of times the store would still have a bunch of spare spools for that reel, but it's discontinued. So none of their customers are going to come in and buy them, you know, yeah. really. So they would like mark them 50% off and set them out on the sell table. Well, I'd go and buy those because it was like almost impossible that somebody in Idle Falls was wanting a spool yeah. for a reel that was discontinued three years ago kind of thing, right? Yeah. Well, I started selling them on eBay for actually more than what the retail prices were because nobody could find them anymore. Uh, they were discontinued. And they wanted they, need, they, and they needed, needed it. Yeah, yeah, they had an old reel that was like discontinued, so it's impossible to find spools now. And so, you know, it's just interesting the ways that you can That's cool. find it. And that was just an, an, an accident, you know, just yeah. kind of came upon it accidentally. But there's so many things like that that I think that, And that probably, you could do that. You could say you go to Cabela's or Sportsman's Warehouse or any of those once a week and look over their 
their trash, yeah. you know, their, their sale tables or whatever. Yeah. And, and sell stuff. You know, it's, it's just yeah. so crazy that you can do that. It is crazy. Uh, Ross, you know, that the clothing store, Ross. Yeah. <clears throat> um, they have pretty specialized weightlifting shoes every once in a while. Mm-hmm. These are $200 shoes that they're selling for 30 bucks. You're like, why does Ross have these? Well, what I've heard happens, I don't know whether this is correct or not. Um, there'll be a shoe buyer that's like at like some big, big place, you know, mm-hmm. Nordstrom's or whatever. And they're like, oh, sweet. There's this cool shoe from Adidas, Nike, whatever. Well, they order it in. Nobody ever buys it because it's in such a specialty store that they're like, I'm so not they gonna, didn't know it was a weightlifting shoe weight necessarily. necessarily. Yeah. Okay. Well, then it goes to Ross for 30 bucks. You can go buy those, get them online. When someone knows what shoe they like, especially in weightlifting, they're all for that shoe. Yeah. So they hop on eBay and sell it for $149. Well, it's a $200 shoe. It's going to sell immediately. Mm-hmm. And you just, That's awesome. you know, you just made 110 bucks. Yeah. And, and it helped Nordstrom because Ross bought their extra and it helped Ross because you bought it from them and it helps the person that you sold it to. Yeah. They it got it for you. $50 less. Yep, exactly. This is all I free market, right? I here. saw one where a guy went into Ross, and he this was just on a a reel, and on Facebook or whatever. And at the beginning, he says, "This is how my company did one point five million dollars in sales last year." Supposedly, who knows? Yeah. You know, but he goes in and he says, "I go to Ross and I scan every item in the store." So I don't know if that's like every item because that seems like that yeah. take a lot, long time. But he had like a toy. It was a John Deere tractor toy or something like that that he found in there. You know, it's new. It's still yeah. in the box. So he takes out his phone. And I don't I've never done this. I don't know exactly how it works. But if you're an Amazon seller, I think it brings up like a camera and you can scan the barcode uh-huh. and it brings it up and says what it's selling for on Amazon. So he like scans this toy and I think it was listed for 30 bucks or something. He scans it and it comes up as a 140, same kind of thing. Yeah. And so he's like, okay, cool. Right then. So he hits, there's a button there that says list for sale. So click list that for sale. So now it's on his website for sale already. He hasn't yeah. even purchased it from Ross yet, hmm. but he goes walking up, you know, buys yeah. it. And now it's listed on Amazon. So interesting. And, you know, it's a it's a hundred bucks, whatever. Yeah. I mean, like you said before, do that one time a day, you yeah. know, or. Yeah, or, or uh, on a Saturday morning, you go and you do four or five of them. Yeah. You know, four or five hundred dollars yep. a week. Or even 50 bucks. Yep, I mean, exactly. Yeah, I mean, we can talk in hundreds or you talk in dozens. You know, do that on a, do, do that three times on a Saturday and that pays for three, three meals that you normally would have had to pay for. And. Or it's gas money for exactly. the week. Well, maybe not now. Maybe not, yeah. <laughs> but like you said, within the margins. Winning winning within the margins? Is that what it was called? Think, yeah, is that, yeah. Winning in the margins. Winning yeah. in the margins. Mm-hmm. It's cool because those little, and you talked, you're so wise. Um, you talked about the 1%, you know, getting 1% better every single day. Winning within the margins, winning in the margins. Um, that 1% is huge. You know, you take... Okay, well, let's say you make fifty thousand a year, and then you're making an extra five hundred bucks a month. Well, five hundred bucks—that's one percent, right? So then you take that five hundred and you go purchase more product with it. Mm-hmm. it turns into a thousand. Well, there's there's two percent. Well, now you can start to move it around. 
it can grow fast. Yeah. You know, the whole compound interest, interest thing, you don't really see it until year 30 or whatever. You can compound yourself right now. Mm-hmm. You can go compound 25 bucks every single Saturday. You can turn it from 25 into 50, into 100, into two. But what happens is at some point we're like, hey, we're making money. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I, I just was, I was kind of passionate about Barnwood. But now, yes. now I'm making money at it. It's cool. And then take that extra money, put it into Bitcoin or something yes. that you don't even look at. Yep. Or buy, or like you said, buy more product to sell or whatever, but set that money aside and say, okay, this is extra money that we are not touching. We're investing yeah. it or whatever. That can grow pretty fast. Yeah. Well, and even thinking like your example here where you're $50,000 and then what did we say? $500 is In 1%. 1%. Yeah. So say you did that, say you just did the 1% for 12 months, yeah. that's 12, that's, so at the end of the year, that's six grand. Yeah. So that's a 12% raise on your $50,000. That's huge. What would it take at your job to get a 10% raise? Yes. Yeah. Very good point. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, where's your time better spent if you can find a system like that to, yeah. to, to do, you know? And you can find a system like that. That's oh, the yeah. thing. Now. There might be some argument. Well, what if everybody did that? Good. Everybody can. Everybody can. And what a world when everyone's passionate about what they're doing. And we've talked passion before. Yeah. There are garbage people, garbage men that are so passionate about their job. And as soon as you go listen to how passionate they are, you're like, well, crap, maybe I want to be a a garbage man too. It's cool. So I had a friend that that was his job. He was a garbage man and he loved it. He actually... um, he actually ended up getting injured and couldn't do that job anymore. But uh, the part that he loved about it was finding cool stuff. Ah. And so he would find incredible stuff. He found um, there was an estate sale and he showed me all this stuff. Like he took me and he's like, dude, check out. Like this was years and years and years and years of accumulated stuff. Somebody had um, thrown out, he came up to the garbage can and there was this whole big box of photographs, black and white photographs. Well, he gets looking through them and they were world war one photographs, originals. And so he's like, okay, this is incredible, but I got to go talk to this lady to make sure that she knows what she threw out. Yeah. So he goes in and there was some other stuff too. Like there was actually some like deer mounts and stuff that were incredible horns, you know, and Mm -hmm. you know, that, were like mounted and stuff and so he's like okay i gotta go talk to this lady well he went in there and she's like well i my husband's dead you know she's an older lady my husband's dead um i'm moving out to uh like a retirement home or something i don't have any kids or my family doesn't want any of this stuff and you know i've tried to give it away and nobody wants it and so wow i had to get rid of it so i threw it in the garbage and he's like well is it okay if i haven't she's like yeah that would be great like i would love somebody to appreciate this stuff yeah so he's like we're flipping through these photographs and they're incredible like there was thousands of them there was a whole box like a a potato box full and i mean i'm sure those things were valuable oh Oh, absolutely like you know like i just think right now if i hopped online and it was like you know original world war one photograph i don't even care if i know who's in it i'll pay 30 or 40 bucks for it yeah and that's exactly what these were like these were front battle line like crazy stuff and okay, then maybe 30, and, more than 30 or 40 <laughs> yeah and so like anyway like 
and he had stories like that of all sorts of stuff, like, um, like Dutch ovens, like some people threw out some Dutch ovens and he like, he cleaned them up, sold them on eBay. Um, but like, so, so even though say you're, say you're a garbage man and yet, yeah. you there's ways to win in the margins So cool that you can, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah. You mentioned Dutch ovens. Yeah. So we started cooking in cast iron. Mm-hmm. I love it. It And everybody needs to cook in cast iron. It's so much better <clears throat> and it's good for you. It's better for you. You know, like sometimes not to get off on a little health kick here since I drink soda every single day, um, <laughs> but uh, the nonstick can be pretty yeah. bad for you. It's like so Teflon coating yeah. or something yeah. like that. So you cook in cast iron, it cooks evenly, it, it tastes so good. Every time that you go from one food to another, it's actually baking some seasoning into the metal somehow. Yeah. Um, but I get looking, there's this huge, huge niche market of finding old Dutch ovens or just cast iron in general and restoring it. Hmm. And so then I hopped on eBay and I'm like, well, this is interesting. I just want to look into it. And I would look one up and made in 1920 something, something. And if you wow. restore it, then, you know, you make 10 or 15 bucks on restoring it. Mm-hmm. So probably nothing that I'd get into. But now all of a sudden I want to be a Dutch oven collector. Yeah. You know, it's just cool. It's like that was made in the 20s and I'm cooking with it today. Yeah. Just way cool. And, and then, the quality is so yes. much better. Oh, so much better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And actually Seriously. I should buy, I should buy an old one just because of that. It's going to yeah. cook more evenly. It's not going to be as porous. Mm-hmm. And there's just so much about it. That's it's just cool. There's so much stuff. Like yeah. whatever whatever somebody is passionate about, you can do that. Oh, so here's one that is interesting. So this is my wife's uncle. He's an attorney. Um, he might be retired now, but he he lives up in Montana, and his passion is um, national park memorabilia. So he. Which I know, like, yeah. it's like, what are you, what, what are you thinking about? You know? And, um, we went up there this last, uh, and like, I knew this and he actually was really, we don't see him that often, like maybe once every couple of years or whatever. Um, and, and, uh, pretty much every time I've gone up, he actually had found old, Idaho potato memorabilia. Like, you know, there's like the Idaho potato thing that they advertise with. Mm -hmm. And it's like a, looks like a person has hands and feet and whatever. So he had found like some, uh, some pictures and actually memorabilia from like the 1930s or 40s or 50s or whatever. And he'd just give it to me. He's like, oh, hey, I knew you're, you know, I know that you grow Idaho potatoes. So here's this. I thought you'd think it's cool. So like really nice. Yeah. Um, So I knew he did it. And I'd kind of looked through some of his collection, but this last summer we went up to there. Um, one of his daughters was getting married. And as we were having dinner, I was sitting across from him. And so we got talking about this stuff, you know, I was like, well, tell me, you know, are you still doing this memorabilia thing or what is it? I thought he was just a collector, yeah. which he is, but he actually goes around in their shows. Interesting. Where they, you know, they set up a booth and everything. And it's like, paper he had a specific term for it like a a paper collector or something so there's like people collect maybe old magazines or old uh uh, national park posters or something like that but that was his niche it was national united states cool national park memorabilia and 
I think he's retired now and that's what he does. And he, yeah. he was actually like the largest national park memorabilia <laughs> collector vendor in the nation, I think, or something like that. That's cool. It, it does. I mean, it doesn't sound hard to get there. As far as like, if you make it niche <laughs> yeah. enough, it's not going to be hard, but it yeah. probably was because there's probably dozens of people out there or more that are collecting that same, that same thing. And that's why there's a, there's a market. Well, and we laugh about it, but like yeah. he has like these original, like that's postcards cool. and things and it's incredible. Yeah. Like you think about, we take stuff for granted now cause you can print everything off on a, on a, you know, create images and stuff on a computer and it's no big deal. But this stuff's like from the, the 1930s and forties and it's a, you, you know, a bear and a camper and what, like yeah. just cool stuff, like really neat, like posters you'd hang up on the wall, you know, kind of yeah. stuff. It's cool. That is. Yeah. And when I laugh, it's not at what he does. It's, at it's the like the sheer niche of it. Yeah. So weird. Like incredible to think that that is a thing out mm-hmm. there. But it is. Yeah. I actually think a theme that we've kind of found while we've been talking is collector's items. Yeah. You know, uh, collector's coins, national park memorabilia. A lot of it is collector. I mean, even Barnwood, that is a collector's item. Mm-hmm. It's it's old. It has a story. Yeah. So what can we turn into a collector's item as well? You know, I don't know. But I think it's everything. You know, it'd be cool to own like one of the first cameras, <clears throat> even though we have cameras that are way better now, it'd be cool to own one. Yeah. I, I love coins, um, art. Um, I would love to get into, uh, well, one art, like old art, but then also, um, old sculpt, sculpt, yeah. sculptures. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's some tax benefits to it as well. You can write them off. You can donate them to museums. You still own them, but they're donated to a museum. I mean, there's just ways. There's just so And many it's ways. cool too, because there's passion around that. Yeah. If it's something you're into and it doesn't have to be collector's items necessarily, yeah. it could be Hot Wheels cars, which there's collector's yeah. ones yeah. there too. Yeah, you know, it's crazy. You know, but, but there's some passion around that. And so you get fulfillment because you're into what you're yeah. trading or investing or, you know, buying and selling or whatever, but you're also making some profit off of it and yeah. adding value. Yeah. You're making people happy. Mm-hmm. I know a guy that has a uh, world war two stuff like war memorabilia. Oh yeah. And he's always had like an ad in the paper. I think he still does to this day. That's like, Hey, any war memorabilia stuff, like give me a call, I'll buy it from you, whatever. And you know, what you think, how do you ever find that stuff to buy? Like, how does that, which kind of back to our thing where you just start and then yes. it searches you out and as you focus, it expands and stuff. But he said all the time he'll have like people call him up and be like, hey, I inherited this old Luger from my grandpa and I don't know what so to do cool. with it or whatever, you know. And he said like some of them he'll show up and they have, they're like extremely rare precious ones you know and the yeah. you know like one i think he said had like a a case with a butt stock that you would take out Interesting. and put in you know anyway yeah. he's like he's like i've been uh collecting this stuff forever and never seen anything like that whatever you know and, and the guy's like yeah give me a couple hundred bucks mm-hmm. you know he's like okay sounds yep. good you know we'll come to find out it was worth like a couple thousand dollars yeah you know and i mean that rightfully so how yep. does he how do you, you know, how do yep. you know? And exactly. And, and, and so, so what that person wanted to sell it at and, you know, it, 
I don't know. There's some sort of ethical line there. You know, if it's worth thirty thousand and he wants to sell it for twenty, yeah, you know, two hundred dollars, and it's like, okay, I just want to let you know, it's worth more than that. Yeah. But other than like some out there ethical line, nah, ethical's not. <laughs> you shouldn't. You know what I'm saying? Well, and it's the hard thing too. Is like you're the expert and yes. so should you should get compensated for that to an extent oh, absolutely. but i think most people too would probably if they knew what the value of something was like yeah. you know where it's like well i've never seen this before i'll take a chance on it for 100 bucks whatever yeah. you know but i think most people if they know what it is and it's like well i know that these lugers are going for two grand i'll give you 1500 yep. bucks or whatever a yeah. thousand bucks or you know he's like my, so. my grandpa off the nazi and stole his gun. <laughs> yeah. That's probably what it was. It probably was. Yeah. And he said that's, and that's the, because you think, well, how do you get World War II German Nazi memorabilia here when it was fought clear over there? And he's like, it's incredible the amount of stuff that people brought back. Yeah. You know, well, and, and I, so it's It probably cool. wasn't illegal then. I mean, now you get court-martialed and you get, you get put in prison if you... Yeah. Bring stuff back. Bring stuff back. But I don't think back then, I'm pretty sure my grandpa had stuff from Korea. Yeah. So, and he never did anything illegal in his whole, no. Just, <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, it's just so cool that, and we've talked a lot about antiques and collector's items and stuff, but it doesn't have to be that. No, you know, it, no, it can be anything. Well, those Pokemon cards in the beginning, mm -hmm. to me, that's not a collector's item at all. I, I guess to him it is though, because he's like, oh, this one's so old and they only made, you know, so many of these and... Yeah. But he's there again, he's become the expert in that to an extent, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, he knows he's, he's looking up what they are on eBay or yeah. whatever, you know, to know what the values are. And it is interesting. And like you said, that internet, you, you become the expert and it's not that hard. Mm -hmm. You know, we have more information and, and stuff now than we've ever had. And it's easy to, to become what used to be an expert. I mean, yeah. it still is, but you hop on and you're like, you research something for seven, eight hours, you probably are in the top 5% that knows about that item. Yeah. Yeah. And especially the quality of like, you can find niche YouTube videos yes. on that. And so you're getting that information from an expert anyway. Yeah. You know, I mean, it can really accelerate the amount of learning and stuff. I always thought it was funny in the, uh, <clears throat> the, the one in Las Vegas where the pawn shop, pawn oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, they'd bring in these experts. And uh, this is a little off topic, but um, did you know Chris? Chris, I don't know if you can say names on podcast, but Chris Henderson. Did you ever know him? Mm -hmm. I think he might have left before you came. Um, his dad builds gliders or ultralights. I can't remember which one. Okay. The show contacted him. And said, hey, we want to have a glider on the show. Will you be our expert? And he's like, sure, sounds great. So he had an old glider and like a newer glider. And they pretended that they brought in the old oh, glider. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a lot of that show, I guess, is just pretend. So they pretended to bring in the glider. Then they brought in the expert. He said, oh, yeah, it's a good deal. If you take it, we can restore it. And then this other one that wasn't even the same glider, they sold for so much of a profit. Uh-huh. And, uh, so it was his glider and was he was the glider, expert and he was the expert. It was his two gliders. <laughs> oh, the one that needed refinished. His, the, a his different price, one than the one they sold. A different one than the one that they sold. <laughs> and, you know, they paid him. And it's just like, we, we, we live in a weird, yeah. fake yeah. world, but yeah. that's very off. Yeah. 
topic. Well, yeah. kind of. No, yeah. I guess it is on topic. You can hire people to be their own experts and, and that's sell that video to a TV network. Yeah, and it's their niche. Yeah, <laughs> and it is very niche. Have you ever, ever actually been down there? I haven't gone to it. I like watching it. Oh, yeah. But, but it's so interesting. Yeah. You go in and you're like, this is not the same place. It's tiny. Hmm. And the only like actual collector's stuff that they have, the you know, real cool stuff is in probably like as big as this room. Hmm. Everything else is just normal pawn shop crap. But that's crazy. You know, there's that one little part of the store yeah. and then any of their big purchases, they're like, Okay, we're gonna schedule this for next Tuesday at nine. Okay. And come back. Yeah. It's kinda interesting. I uh this is off topic too. Well, maybe, I don't know, but the we were were looking at buying uh, a property, and there's a house on this property, and so we were over doing a walkthrough on this uh, on this house, and uh, in the garage there was still some stuff. You know, they'd kind of cleaned it out, and I think it was probably an estate or something, but there's still some stuff. You could tell it was an older couple that lived in there, or whatever. And, uh, so we're, I'm like, oh, there's some cool stuff there. You know, there's like an old seven up cooler, like a, oh, a, wow. a metal one, yeah. you know? And I'm like, I'm like, oh man, I'll bet you that's worth some money. And the other, the realtor and the other people that were with me were like, nah, like, come on, you know, whatever. Well, we open up this cover and there's an old metal, I think it was a P40, like a model P40 airplane. That's cool. Yeah, it's cool. Like, and I can't even, we didn't look at it too close, but it, you could tell it had like been drug out from under the house yeah. or whatever. The box was all tattered, but the actual stuff inside was were, was in good shape. And, you know, so it's probably sat there for 50 years or whatever, yeah. you know? And I'm like, oh man, I'm so like, cool. I'll bet you that's worth whatever, you know? I was yeah. like, I'll bet you that's worth hundreds of dollars. They're yeah. like, no way. So I looked it up on eBay, yeah. and there was one on eBay for $550. Wow. And then the the 7-Up thing, there was some other stuff too, but the 7-Up cooler, was it It wasn't in as good as condition as the one on eBay, but it was, you know, it was 100 bucks or something yeah. like that. And so it's like, I mean, same thing. Like, say you have the niche of 7-Up antique, 7-Up yep coolers and everybody thinks it's junk but you're like i know what that's worth i know that that's 100 bucks and so they're selling it at a garage sale for five dollars or whatever yep. like it's just education is yeah. all that it is the, well that made me think of two things one one of our uh, commercial space renters he restores old refrigerators and vending machines hmm. so old ones so he'll you know put feelers out there he goes and gets it one, it has old soda in it, old coins in it. The old coins. I've wanted oh, to do that yeah. so, so bad. So cool. Um, so old old soda, old coins, and then he takes it and he'll either just sell it kind of as is or he'll turn it into a gun safe, which I don't okay. think is as cool because it'd be cool to have one that's, you know, for at least that me. Works. That works. Yeah. Um, but some are ir irreparable, so he turns them into gun safes or whatever and he does pretty well on it. That's way cool. Uh, two is the old soda worth money? Um, yeah, like that kind yeah, of just stuff, like, like unopened stuff. Yeah, and I don't know how That's much cool. or anything like that, but you know, unopened that sort of thing. Um, then the other one, my dad, uh, he went and I don't remember how much he paid, but he essentially went to someone old barn, old barn wood. He didn't didn't do anything with the wood, but he said, "Hey, there's just a bunch of farm equipment and stuff in there. Um, if I pay you this much." 
can I just have everything that's in it? Which I think you had mentioned something similar to that earlier. And um, they're like, yeah, absolutely. He got a tractor out of it. He had Mm. to just do a few things and then the tractor ran and I think he came out of it pretty good. And those people are looking at it and they're like, well, man, we just got everything cleaned up. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a win-win. Yep. My dad's excited because he just got a tractor. That's and cool. then they, it was cool to walk through there, just those old buildings. And there was like a fireplace. There was just that old, big, probably came across on a, not like a wagon, but, you know, it, back when it was um, railways and yeah. St. Anthony was the hub. Yeah. You know, probably came in on one of those. Yeah. It's just cool. Yeah. And then there's it's probably cool. someone out there that's looking for antique wood fireplaces. You know there's antique yeah. tractors. Oh, yeah, I'm sure you know, there is. It's Absolutely. just nuts. I guarantee you there is, yeah. for sure. It's so crazy. It is cool. We there's, had a, the, the tractor thing. Right? We had a tractor growing up that burnt down. It got, there was like an electrical short or something. It was an old Massey Ferguson. Yeah. And just burnt completely up. Looked like a big pile of junk to us. And so we pulled it over in a corner, and <clears throat> it sat there for years, like... Uh, probably 10 well i don't know longer than that probably 20 years and um we had a neighbor that was a he was a high school teacher but in the spare time he liked to fix up cars and tractors and stuff yeah and he came and he's like i I saw that tractor i actually owned one of those when i was first farming a little bit and would you mind if i took that and fixed it up and we're like it's a big old black pile of ash you know is all yeah. it looks like and he's like i think the motor's still okay you know and he's like i, th- I think i'll be able to do it and we're like whatever you can have it yeah he took it and completely restored it he looked up oh, what the cool. what the shade of paint was on it for those years because yeah. massey ferguson over time you know changed their red shades of paint and it looks new like it really so it cool. looks new and so i mean right there you know like we would have hauled, hauled that off to the junkyard and somebody was able to take that and add value awesome. to it. And now it's probably worth thousands of, well, I know it's worth yeah. thousands oh, of yeah. dollars. You know, it's cool. Well, and that just goes to show also like the quality that used to exist. Like you had said with the, uh, with the Dutch ovens. Yeah. Cast iron. You know, I don't know if you could or do that to a car nowadays. We had that, that little trainer airplane. Yeah. Um, stripped the paint completely off of it. And once we got it off, there was this little kind of a faded line that goes through it. So everything is shiny except for this line. And there's a, a guy at the airport. He's like, let me call Cessna and let me get the original colors that were on that, like the original paint job. I was like, I didn't even know you could do that. That's so he calls cool. him. He gets this paper shipped to us that was essentially everything that was original with that plane, like that specific one, hmm. what the weight and balance was, what the paint was, how much the paint weighed. I mean, all of it, just crazy. And um, they used to they used to care about that kind of stuff. That's you know? cool. So now you turn that airplane back original, and it's a collector's item. Yeah. It's cool. Well, and there, I mean, perfect example of taking something that's, been a little bit neglected yeah and adding value to it i mean yeah. you added a ton of value to that thing now i'm sure it's just interesting i mean it, it sat there for years i actually think it's i have you know a few of those stories where that are confirmable that i've written something down and then it's kind of you know coming to yeah. our lives later yeah this one's definitely not confirmable but i'm pretty sure it's the same plane that i would drive to the dump and i'd go i would love that plane huh. it was just old crappy in the winter it was um, the weight, like the, the snow would get on the back and it would weigh it down and the nose wheel would be in the air. And you're like, oh, that poor little airplane. Yeah. 
and then later on, I'm pretty sure it's the same one. Um, but you can do something like that. You can you can go to the airport, not big international airports, but you know these little yeah. local ones, and just find the crappiest airplane that's out there, and then you look up the tail number, see who owns it, call them up. Hey, would you be interested in selling that airplane? You could probably flip most airplanes today and and make money. You don't yeah. need to be a pilot to flip an airplane. It, can you get inspections do done and stuff? Hours. I know. Yeah. I know. There's so many ideas. Yeah. Um, can you get inspections so you yeah. know that it's good structurally yep. and that kind of stuff? You have yep. somebody come out and look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. There's, there's That's a cool. lot to do with that actually. Cause, um, I was flying one plane once and a, a door kind of popped open. And, um, <laughs> so we, uh, it, it ripped the door almost completely off. And then when we started to look at how much it was going to cost to repair the door, we're like, we might have to total this airplane. But then when you look at totaling the airplane, it actually came out pretty good when you total it because you take the parts. So there's yeah, actually a huge true. market yeah. in buying an airplane that still might be flyable, parting it out and selling it. Or you go to the airport and you find that old plane and um, you know maybe you're not a pilot. Maybe you have know nothing about airplanes. Well, you take that plane that you bought and you put it to a salvage, like an airplane salvage yard. Mm-hmm. Or something along those lines. They'll come get it uh, just with an airplane. like. Or so, you can part it out and sell the parts yep. individually, I would yes, think, right? Exactly. You can take yep. the seats out and yep. post them somewhere. I'm sure there's a mm-hmm. website that does that. And yep. Oh, probably yeah. eBay. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And then if you can tie those parts to the logbooks and you can say, hey, you know, this part was replaced, this and this okay. here. Yeah. Airplanes are actually really interesting as far as you can go back. If it's been well logged, which... Hopefully, if you're going to fly the airplane, you want an airplane that's been very well logged. They log everything. So I had him fix just something really small the other day. He hands me the bill, and he hands me a logbook paper. And, you know, going through the logbook paper, and it's like he he replaced, he kind of turned a 90-degree, it was a little cable, Mm -hmm. and then he turned it 90 degrees. But it's like a written half page on what he did. So like every little Holy thing cow. that's ever done to that plane is marked. Huh. So So you have a complete history of everything. 100% history of it. I mean, there's mm. probably little things here and there, but I mean, even down to the oil changes. Well, I'm sure, really cool. like back to your one that you're saying that you were considering... Uh, Salvaging? Yeah. Yeah. Like you can sell the motor, right? Yep. You oh, can yeah. sell the... Yep. Like, that's yeah. crazy. I never we, even thought about that. What we ended up doing was um, just trading it for something different. Mm-hmm. We wanted a four seater and it was a two seater and worked out for him. Like the guy that wanted to do it, he wanted something to train out of. It was a really good trainer. We just added value. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's all value transactions. That's cool. All of it. It's, yeah. it is, it's really cool. And then starting to just break all of that down. You've got the mechanic, you've got the guy who told us about the paint job. You've got the people that you have to buy the paint stripper from. Yes. Like whoever thought like the I'm going to build a, yep. the me- yes, yeah. I'm going to build a business on, Stripping paint from an airplane. It's actually all these scars right there. Mm-hmm. It's all um, oh from a yeah, wire wheel or something. Paint, paint stripper. Oh, it geez, got on my really? skin and like instantly bubbled up. Holy I was like, cow! Oh crap! So then I go like this, and that one, um, like I went like this, and it it moved across my arm. Huh. Just watch it bubble up. Anyways, and then eat a hole, and then eat a hole in your shirt. For, uh, no, it, it wouldn't do anything to clothes, but it would that's to your skin. Weird. That's interesting. Yeah, well, we're way off. So maybe I'm sorry. well, no, a business around. 
finding making gloves yeah to put on while you're using paint stripper to take paint off of airplanes like yeah it's so endless when people say that there's they don't have a good idea yeah hogwash i agree with you <laughs> yep we just Absolute gave hogwash. we might have done more than our 10 <laughs> yeah <laughs> you said 10 well oh, that i said was way more than i was 10. gonna say we our goal was 10 we've gone over on our usual time but that was fun yeah, we was need to fun. do it again i agree that so. and that kind of episode i mean really the, i wrote some stuff down for us mm -hmm. and for so number of belay lessons taught i actually think that'd be really cool have a big you know for the rock climbing gym and you and i should go buy a barn buy a barn for sure yeah Sounds good. Okay. Well, hey, thanks for this. We'll uh, we'll release them, and then we'll see see you next week. Sounds great. See ya. <laughs>